Hello, and welcome to the Vergecast. Our chief weapon is fear. Fear and surprise. All right. Hello, welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com. It's the largest fleet in our armada. It's a ship or it's a fleet? It's the largest ship in the fleet. Oh. The the flagship isn't necessarily the largest. It's just the one in charge. Yeah, this is the one in charge. But I like to think of it as the... I don't know. If there's any naval historians out there, please yeah. let me know what the flagship is and how that metaphor works sure for pretty sure it's the one with the flag. <laughs> well, this is a podcast with a flag. Uh, this podcast continues. Well, I guess I don't want to give it away for free. But anyway, look, there's a vodka. I like it. It cuts through the night. Nice. It's called Scissor. Nice. All due respect to the Coppola wine company that owns the actual trademark in Spanish. Anyway, uh, I'm Neil Patel. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge. I'm joined by Paul Miller. Hello. Lauren Good is on the line. Hi. Hello, Lauren. Um, and hello. Dieter Bone is here. Hello. Hello. Uh, so this, I will say to our listener, I think the Vergecast listener really loves the nitty gritty on the show, mm-hmm. the inner mechanics of how we do things. And I'm just going to say this. This was one of the craziest, most stressful, most insane weeks in Verge history. Because uh, all the things we're doing. So I'll just run through some of them. Mm-hmm. We published a massive Mark Zuckerberg feature and interview today. Casey Newton did it. You should go read it. It's about the next 10 years of Facebook. Um, it's really cool. And about Mark Zuckerberg's toaster. Yeah, he's got an internet drone yeah. plane. He's got toasters. Uh, he's talking about VR, AR. That stuff just published today. I encourage you to read it. Maybe next week we'll get... Casey's on vacation in Italy right now, right. which is a very decadent way to publish the feature. Um, but maybe next week we'll talk to Casey a little bit about that. So that happened. Uh, we premiered the Mr. Robot digital after show hosted by The Verge. A wonderful, not at all unwieldy title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that premiered live last night after Mr. Robot episode three premiered at 11.26 p.m., which means I went to bed at 2.30 a.m. Wow. last night. Wow. Um, that show we're going to do every week after Mr. Robot. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Robot's a cool show that I encourage you to watch. Um, and just like a little backstory on that one. Obviously, NBC Universal invested a bunch of money into Vox Media, our parent company, about a year ago. Over a year ago? A lot of money. A lot of money. So there's It was this, about a year ago. About a year ago. So there's this like tight relationship between the two companies, whatever. But the people who run Mr. Robot, turns out almost all their writers and producers read The Verge because they're big nerds. Uh, and they asked us if we could do anything about it. And the first thing they asked us was, why don't you just do special episodes of The Verge cast? Just do The Verge cast about Mr. Robot for half an hour once a week. Uh, and we're like, why don't we do a real show? You're like, The Verge cast is our <laughs> flagship podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what's a flagship? Uh, well, no, because it was in, the, it was in that moment when we were deciding whether we were going to have this just be an audio show or a video show. Right. So we're like, look, we're taking the broadcast to uh, be an audio podcast because most people listen in their cars. Mm-hmm. Fact, I firmly believe without any evidence. Uh, but we'll make a new video show for you. Because Mr. Robot people are proven TV watchers. They, clearly, we know they are watching video. Although I... If you're out there and you just download the audio of Mr. Robot week to week and listen to it as a radio <laughs> play, please, please let me know. Um, <laughs> so USA, crazy enough, they're like, yeah, just do, just do a video show however you want. So really neat. Very trusting. I don't, know, they, I don't know how you watch the Verge cast and you think to yourself, we will continue to let these people do whatever they want with our brand. But uh, that was the first episode. It's cool. We're trying it out. Let us know what you think. Please, if you're a Mr. Robot fan, please watch that show and talk to us and about it. And it's you, Emily, and Russell. It's me, Emily, and Russell. 
Uh, <laughs> there's an IRC of, channel. There's an IRC channel, Vcorp on Freenode. Uh, mm. Hit it up. The IRC channel last night, rocking. Just really? rocking. Yeah. Oh, man. Of, man. Do you want to hear, so, do you wanna hear some IRC drums? Yeah. So uh, we have a great producer, showrunner of the show, this guy mm. named Banked Anderson. Uh, his brother, huge nerd, volunteered to run our IRC for us. His brother, Micah. So Micah lights up the IRC last night. We're like tweeting about it. Get in there. Someone came into Freenode and kicked him from the channel. Yes. And took super <laughs> yes. op status. Yes. And Micah had to like go in there and battle his way back to being a oh, super op. Just like IRC. Yeah. <laughs> so like deep, deep IRC drama blowing up. Um, but it was fun. I was if you're like an old school Engadget podcast or early, early Vergecast listener, you remember that we had IRC channels lit up mm-hmm. during those shows. And it was like kind of a throwback, only with a major cable network's intellectual property what we were talking about while I was like reading crazy IRC messages. So that's really fun. Then on top of that, I don't even think that's a whole, I don't even think that's like the two big ones. And on top of that, this weekend is the Panorama Music Festival mm-hmm. in New York that we are presenting. And you've been just hydrating like crazy. I'm ready to rock. <laughs> uh, we're going to roll and roll and roll. No, I'm too old for that. But, um, it's Arcade Fire, Kendrick Lamar, LCD Sound System, other headliners, a bunch of other acts we want to see. My, my wife and I are old. We're just going to calmly rock out to the National. Oh, We're nice. just going to, in the middle of Aww. the afternoon, just Aww. hold hands, yeah. eat pretzels. I hate to tell you this, National. Neil, but you can, you can calmly rock out to Arcade Fire, too. They're, they're a band for olds now. I know. It's really sad. And co- so is LCD yeah. and Sound System, but I think they're going to put on quite a show. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyhow, uh, what's cool about that, and I hope you've been watching our YouTube channel um, or the site itself, we have this massive installation at Panorama. It's the biggest one. Actually, Panorama is on Roosevelt Island in New York. It's the same place as GovBall, actually. And if you're driving down the FDR, you can see the Verge's lab. It's called The Lab. You can see it from the highway. It's so huge. And it's like lit up. There's a big verge sign. And inside of that, we ran around with a company called Meta, which is one, like a – I didn't know how activations were made, and now I know. Brand activations? I know how brand activations were yes. made. Yes. Uh, you hire a really cool company called Meta.is, which uh-huh. is awesome. This dude named Justin Bogdino, um, who ran around New York, found all the coolest digital artists in New York, uh, and had them all install a bunch of stuff in this massive 70-foot geodesic dome that plays like VR 360 video all around you while you watch like robot arms dance and stuff. I have a question yeah. about Panorama. Yeah. How do you go to Panorama? You can take a... F- it's on an island. Right. So you can, right. You can take and a... F- I'm not a strong swimmer. <laughs> well, Paul, you're screwed. <laughs> if, you, if you don't swim, you can't see Henry I can tread water just fine. Um, but no. as far as like covering distance there's a ferry mm-hmm. there's a bus and there's the cable car thing and you just buy tickets the tram the tram um, like yeah. tickets aren't sold out or something like that tickets i do not believe the main did i think this like special vip tickets are out but the okay. g ga general admission tickets cool. you can still get them which because most people are listening to this on friday right you just get them right now at the gate yeah you just go It'd be cool. And a bunch of Verge people are there. We're talking to a bunch of artists backstage. We're going to do a bunch of videos where we set up a huge VR rig backstage. We're going to put artists in VR and see how they react. Um, So we'll be periscoping, Facebook living. Not periscoping. Probably just Facebook living. Probably. uh, (laughs) Making videos, taking photos. Snapchat, maybe. Snapchat. Um, So you'll see us all weekend at the Panorama Festival, which is very exciting and has been, Dieter, I would say this has also been a year-long project in the making. 
right? We started yeah. we started talking about this easily last year, if not more. Yeah. Um, so it's our first go at presenting something at a music festival. It's our first go at doing something like the Mr. Robot Show. Mm-hmm. It has been just a bonkers week of running around. Um, but on top of all of that, there was tech news this week. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Who knew such a thing would happen while we we're so busy doing Verge stuff? So we got to get, get right into it. Biggest tech news of the week. Actually, like, flew under the radar, unless you're a big nerd. Mm-hmm. But SoftBank bought ARM. And that means very little to some people and everything to some other people. I think my first reaction is like, oh, you could buy ARM. (laughs) (laughs) You can buy a giant chip company that doesn't manufacture chips but designs them. They don't even really design. It's Well, Paul and I are talking about it. Paul has an architecture that is popular. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've been reading the the uh, Wikipedia article on Paul threatened to just read the Wikipedia on article the for the ARM whole show. It, without footnotes. It's eighty five hundred words. <laughs> uh, this is about the ARM architecture specifically. <laughs> but yeah, the 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 biggest the way ARM touches most of our lives is through chips from that are that are manufactured and mostly designed by Apple, Qualcomm, Samsung, and those companies basically license the instruction set of ARM, but hardly any anything else. Yeah. And I guess that's why ARM is a company that can be bought. Yeah. And well, they are not bought for, I mean, it's a huge sum of money to normal people, but right. at the scale that we're talking about, they're, well, they're $31 billion. Right. For, for, for a company yeah. whose name is synonymous with the thing that powers everything that's not a laptop or a desktop. Yeah. That seems pretty small. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was only $31 shave clubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so it's, there's, so SoftBank bought it. SoftBank is fundamentally a Japanese carrier. They also own Sprint. But yeah. ARM has been the sort of Switzerland of the mobile industry. They make this instruction set. They do have, as Lauren was saying, they do have chip designs that some right. people use. Um, but the big players that we think about, Apple, Qualcomm, Samsung, they license just the instruction set and make their own processors around it, obviously with some connection to the main ARM design. Right. Um, so Apple has its A-series, Samsung has Exynos, Qualcomm has Snapdragon. Those are all ARM chips, but special in their own significant way. Right. And, yeah, the, the most important thing is that instruction set, and you can... But there there's weirdnesses across ARM. I don't know. I've been tracking... I feel like, I don't know, I'd love to hear what uh, Dieter and Lauren have to think about this um, before I, I just mean, say random stuff about compilers. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, mean, that, I, I really, I can't like even begin to pawn this off as my own thought, but Vlad Savov did a really good article about this the morning after um, and quoted, I think it was Tom Goodwin who had said, had pointed out that in a lot of um, the major tech companies today, it's not actually about owning hardware or owning vehicles or owning, uh, I guess that's the best way to describe it, right? Like owning hardware, it's actually about owning information and owning sort of the infrastructure. Um, here's the quote, actually. So Uber owns no vehicles. Facebook creates no oh, content. Yeah. Alibaba has no inventory, right? But it's one of the world's most valuable retailers. Airbnb has no homes. So this is like, if you want to sort of slide this in there with that, Arm, Arm doesn't no have chips. chips, 
but it has the information and the infrastructure that enables that to happen. And that's a really big deal. Yeah. So, I I mean, we all have this, Neil, I called arm like the, the Switzerland of, uh, you know, chips. And that's like, I think that's true. Uh, there's not a lot of people that have historically distrusted arm. So Apple and Samsung can be comfortable using fundamentally the, you know, same instruction set or architecture for their chips because Mm -hmm. they just, you know, arm, the arm stuff is good and they could just, they figure they could just use that and not have to worry about competition down the line. The big question is now that they're owned by SoftBank, which is in part uh, a big carrier uh, who has uh, some skin in the game in, you know, what happens in mobile, they own Sprint. uh, Is that going to change? Um, I kind of think not. Uh, but mostly because I think that SoftBank has shown itself to be really smart and, I mean, other than buying Sprint, <laughs> um, really just savvy. <laughs> so, like, in addition to buying Sprint, uh, Sam Byford wrote this story. They also bought uh, or they bought a huge stake in this company called Supercell who makes Clash of Clans. They sold that for a, t- a bunch of money uh, to Tencent. They also uh, were an early investor in Alibaba, and they also made a bunch of money on that. Uh, so like they've sort of managed to make really smart purchases and do stuff with them. And I mean, they would have to be incredibly stupid to hurt arm status as like a impartial creator of instruction sets and have them start favoring, you know, one phone over another. Well, so in the short term, it doesn't really benefit them to create any kind of conflict of interest. I think is what you're trying to say. I was going to say, yeah, long-term is, I don't know, maybe a different story. Yeah, so what, the reason they bought it, their stated reason is, obviously, everyone's stated reason for everything that isn't mobile but related to mobile, which is, we're going to make Internet of Things. things. Uh. <laughs> we're going we're to put the stuff everywhere. We're going to mm. put a chip in it. Um, and that's great. I mean, it, you know, on the most optimistic timeline, the Internet of Things is a good idea, and it'll work, and our homes don't get hacked. But... If they do create a conflict, what a, what I was thinking about the most is Apple has a totally vertically integrated stack. There's no reason that the A series of processors can't slide away from ARM in some way because Apple controls the operating system to make the hardware. No Apple consumer gives a shit about whether the A series processor is truly an ARM processor or some weird Apple variant. Right. Right. But then the flip side of that is we've been hearing just rumors. It's like idle speculation, but it comes up a lot that Apple's eventually going to walk away from Intel uh, in the MacBook, Yep. which we've... I mean, the current MacBook... Dieter, you have one. I have your old one, actually. Your old one is very slow. Your new one, only slightly faster. <laughs> it's like, there's no reason Whereas that they couldn't put a really certain, fast ARM chip in that in Certain ARM Chromebooks... Uh, certain ARM Chromebooks... There, there's the emphasis. <laughs> Certain ARM Chromebooks, Certain ARM are, Chromebooks, yeah, are well known to be very fast. Yeah. So it's definitely for that size of computer, ARM does seem to be pretty great. Uh, I, I, I would rather take an Intel uh, Chromebook over an ARM Chromebook, basically any day of the week. I mean, I want to spend a large portion of the show talking about my dream of owning a Chromebook Pixel running Android, um, running Android yeah. apps. Because they they just released support for it and it's out. And well, it's it's out of the dev channel. And by the way, Neil, I have one on my desk. I hate you. <laughs> like, I mean, I really like you. Everyone in the comments now is going to be like, 
video. <laughs> Bring back video. Uh, so we can see the thing weird? on Dieter's desk. Um, it's kind of buggy. Uh, it's more like there are apps that just aren't friendly to it yet. So there's a bunch of games that don't work. Uh, they haven't quite in the build that I'm using figured out like screen resizing for Android apps. So you either have to choose tablet mode or portrait mode. Um, it's like, okay. And it's the sort of thing that I would use in the same way that I use a Chromebook, but just have a few apps that are more convenient to have an Android instead of Chrome, but you can see it. You can see the future. I was just talking to somebody else about this earlier today, like using it. You're like, man, just a little bit more polish, another rev of the software. And the only reason I need a traditional proper laptop is Photoshop and video editing. Yeah. But then you'd get, you'd get like a hot iMac. Think about yeah. it. Yeah. No. No? No? I'd get, <laughs> no, we're I'd both get like, a... why not? Lauren. Well, because you would basically do that hot iMac can't run VR. If I'm going to... If I'm going to get a big-ass desktop computer, I'm going to get something that can run on HTC Vive. That's true. That's oh. actually kind of a moment, right? I mean, there's a huge split going on here between what's happening with desktop PCs. Desktop PC, I think Kantar Research released, it was like last week, desktop PC sales are ticking up. And depending on whether you measure Chromebooks in it, mm. it's either like 1% up if you don't measure Chromebooks, and it's 5% up if you right. measure Chromebooks. I mean, that's where I'm at. It's like I got to put my money away to get a VR rig. Yeah. The hot graphics card, like physically hot. Get some Alienware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My apartment is not warm enough, and I want it to be warmer. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, why would you get a desktop? I mean, would that work for you? That, that's kind of my big question. It's, it, that's where I don't I feel the go. need to get a high-powered uh, PC yet for the sake of VR. I honestly don't because just in the untethered experiences I've had at home, I use it for like a half hour and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm good with this for now. <laughs> That's um, kind of the way it goes. Actually, the, the Mr. O people yeah. tried to do a sim- VR simulcast today and it just like glitched out. Like it was really exciting and cool, but the stuff isn't ready yet. Like I it can't drive demand until it works. Yeah. And also, I mean, I feel like at this point, if I was going to get a high powered desktop at home, or just got an iMac. I mean, it would be for a, like a sense of focus on stuff at home. Like I would just need something really, really, you're totally right in that this is being segmented out. The PC market is sort of being segmented out in this way. And I don't even know if we'd call it PCs anymore because of it's, we're really talking about mobile, but like just, you just need something really light that you can take with you on the go and cover events and do all the crap you have to do on the fly. But then like, You'd have a desktop for editing your photos and maybe storing some stuff locally and doing editing in Premiere or doing like whatever it is that you feel like you just can't do from a 12 inch MacBook. Yeah. Um, I desperately need a new MacBook Pro. Mm. My MacBook Pro is good. This is why I have Dieter's old MacBook because it's right. like maybe I can just hold over, but it's too slow and I definitely, the keyboard is just not right to me. I feel I like- want to love that keyboard so much. I want to feel like it can make me so fast, but it's just one tick too small. Mm. Dieter, do you have that problem at all? Did you get used to it? Uh, I totally got used to it. Uh, My problem is uh, apparently there's a known issue with the space bar where it doesn't, it gets a little sticky on the right-hand side, and I'm experiencing that. Uh, But I want to finish the thought that you started, that you, like, implied there's a future coming. And the future is SoftBank screws up ARM, Apple's like, eh, and they moved to some other instruction set. And then they could use the same processor architecture on a Mac and on their phone and, you know, on the uh, iPad. 
And then, and then, wait for it, you could just take your iPhone and instead of having a Mac, you could just slot your iPhone into a keyboard and monitor. Oh my God. That will never oh, happen. Oh, these solutions so far have just been so janky. Yeah. I mean, look, Dieter, I know, I know that folio dream was real for you. Yeah, it really was. Dieter got really continued because we talked about the folio last week. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about. Yeah, and you, you were wrong. I was super right. <laughs> Super wrong. All right, you guys ready to Don't talk even. about compilers? <laughs> yes. All right. But it's fine. Time Here's for this the show to go off the rails. Crazy thing <laughs> that Apple did, and a lot of developers are kind of freaked out about, but this is something that happened with Swift, is when you deliver your... There's actually this really good chart that I will try to explain out loud to you, but when you deliver your apps to Apple's App Store... And I don't know if this is already in effect or it's something that they're implementing. You don't deliver them stuff compiled specifically to a platform anymore. You deliver what is called um, Bitcode. And they compile it to target different Whoa. architectures. And one of the reasons wow. Apple's doing this is like there's, you know, there's a difference between ARM and ARM64, right? Yeah. So instead of having you make the ultimate binary that lands on a person's device but has support for multiple architectures, they can just take your bit code and then compile it themselves and give a slimmer binary to each person. How are developers wow. feeling about that? It sounds like they lose a little bit of control Some of them the are process. pretty freaked out about it, especially because there are other things that you would do that would be compiled and very architecture-specific that would probably be a little difficult with this. Yeah. So uh, is, is Bitcode, what's the difference between Bitcode and source code? Is Apple able to look at a developer's source code if they want to? No, bit, well, Bitcode would be um, pretty far down the chain. Source code is what you type with your hands. Yeah. And then Bitcode is a bunch of compiler steps later, which Apple gotcha. Apple right. makes LLVM, which is kind of one of the most popular compilers now, and it's, it's, makes it all well, this Apple possible. Well, Apple scale just lets them get away with almost anything, right? I mean... Right. Yeah, it's their scale, but also they do really, like you said, it, they have a whole tool chain. And right now they have a programming language that you could write uh, Swift and basically put it into a, an Apple black box and then Apple could make it run on anything. Hmm. Yeah, so if they want to. I mean, it's just the rumors about what Apple's doing with its processors next are all over the map, right? None of this stuff is confirmed or real, but. There is the notion that Intel will win the modem for the next iPhone and instead of Qualcomm, which currently has it, but then and Intel will win the processing contract or the manufacturing contract for the next processor because currently Samsung has it. Intel gets back in the game that way. Um, then there's the idea that they're going to move away from Intel on their other product lines and put ARM chips in MacBooks. I just want PowerPC back. Yeah. We never saw the <laughs> G- G6. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's where that scissor vodka joke came from. That song. I'm just letting you know. Really? Yeah. Like a G6? That song. Man, let me tell Slipping you. Slipping Scissor in My Ride. Years of confusion. And it's like, what a, rappers are such dummies. Don't they know there was never a G6 <laughs> processor? It's, a, it's about it. Never mind. It's a plane, Paul. Yeah. It's a plane. And, as it turns and out. And a mythical processor. <laughs> that, we never, that we never got. I mean, that. So it, all I'm saying is Apple's really good at these processor architecture transitions. And if they are thinking about. If they were up until now considering moving everything to ARM, which they mm-hmm. have the at least the history of being able to do in a smooth way, the fact that ARM is now owned by a carrier 
and potentially a competitor because SoftBank gets into all these businesses and wants to do all this Internet of Things stuff. That actually is a bump in the road. It's 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 a bigger story than just they spent thirty one billion dollars on a bunch of engineers who file patents on instruction sets. I'm I'm just writing my editorial that says um, <laughs> app, Apple moving to ARM is uh, user hostile and stupid. God damn it! <laughs> it's time to it's time for an advertisement. The Vergecast, as you know, is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. How cool is it that we live in a world where you can use the same device to listen to the Vergecast and buy your morning coffee, groceries, and more? Did I mention that it's a super fast way to pay? Just use your City Card with Android Pay at the register. Get in, get it, and get going. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible City, Consumer, Credit, and Debit cards. We're back from that wonderful ad. Which I definitely did not record ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Paul, you've got a you've got a thing you want to talk about. Oh, is it my time? It's your time. Uh, so for your usual segment, my usual segment that I do every week, called Gadget Secrets, <laughs> which is a uh, uh, my brother, my brother and me <laughs> reference because um, Justin McElroy does a Edward Snowden character. Uh-huh. Where he talks like that about secrets. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Um, this is different than Gadget Secrets. Okay. Um, it's this thing. It's this really cool Edward Snowden and uh, Bunny, who is a, a famous hacker um, and has been working on building like a completely from scratch open source computer built of all open source components, not just operating system. That's what you want. Uh, that is exactly what I want. Uh, Andrew Huang, or yeah, um, but I know him as Bunny. Edward Snowden and Bunny, Bunny in the news twice today, actually. And we're gonna talk there's about more else. Bunny news. Yeah, but oh, do this, this one first. Okay, they're making an iPhone case, kind of that it goes on the back of the phone, and it also plugs into the phone, which it would require like basically custom modding of the phone you couldn't just get this off the shelf goes in through the sim card slot of the iphone and the idea is that it could detect if the iphone is is using any radios when it's not supposed to and so like journalists if they're going into some like um, like country that might be trying to track them um, can know if their phone, even in airplane mode, is maybe like sending out signals or something like that if they've been compromised. And it can also somehow shut shut it off. Um, it's like it's like the most technologically advanced and interesting tinfoil hat <laughs> I've ever seen. It's, I mean, it's literally a tinfoil hat for your phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with like an e-ink display on the back. Yeah. Of course, it says like, like a okay. weird a weird D pad that like it's got like up and down. Yeah. I guess it's like it's like how arrow keys are laid out on a keyboard as a little triangle, where you t- typically don't do that right. for D pads. I wish I would have done a little uh, jog stick. <laughs> yeah, I wish this was a Sony Clear in the back of my phone. <laughs> um, it's like those Pong cases, except instead of blocking you from. Uh, uh, sorry, guys, I'm so like brain dead right now because I'm really hungry. Um, <laughs> Instead of blocking the waves, it's telling you that they're there. Just <laughs> oversimplify this. Right. Yeah. Th- that's yeah. Which seems just weird. I mean, I guess I'm not. I'm not. Am I not paranoid enough? You're definitely not paranoid. Enough. I feel like no. if I put my phone in airplane mode, it's fine. 
Well, don't Everybody's you just have to listening. test the one phone? Like, you don't, do you need to sell a device? Well, I guess this would uh, somehow, like, fend off future hacks that other people come up with. But, yeah, you'd think you could just... Or just buy a factory fresh phone. I don't know, I don't know dude. So, wait, it, I'm reading this now. It alerts users to any unauthorized output when the radios are meant to be off so that means when you manually turn off your radios if they are still for some reason um yes being used it just right. shuts it off yeah right. so the cia so it's, not is at the, it's not like at the app level it's not like app permissions like there's some app that's pulling data from somewhere it's like purely in the hardware it's in yeah. the well, right if, radio so, connectivity. If, so, if somebody like hacked your phone to somehow like pretend to turn off when you turned it off, but actually still work, or or yeah, keep broadcasting. So it would be a very it would be an operating system level hack. It would be a pretty deep hack to be able to to do anything. But apparently, it was it Edward Snowden when he met with like reporters? Like originally, he had them turn off their phones and put them in a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Just, just <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's but it's even farther. It's like hardware level because it. You this take out your SIM card. You yes. put the SIM card into the uh, this extra case, and this has wires that go into your phone and know what's up somehow. I love this gadget. It's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, this is the sort of wild stuff we need to see more of yeah. in the gadget world. Yeah, I'm into it. Okay, mm-hmm. we should do the other bunny news. Oh, so yeah. bunny news twice today. This is a story that I'm super into. And no one else will be into. I have no idea what you're talking about, so I'm going to yeah, learn. Where are you going with this? Uh, Bunny. Set top boxes. No, it's not set top boxes. Uh, it's copyright bosses. law, guys. It's my oh, favorite thing. Oh, nice. uh, so, Bunny, Andrew Wang, has mm. a company called uh, Alpha Max. Mm. That company develops software to basically rip video streams and re-edit them on the fly. He, That company and the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, filed a lawsuit today to, God, this is so nerdy, but I'm so excited to invalidate Section 1201 of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which, if you are a huge nerd, mm-hmm. you know is one of the most troublesome laws as, as it relates to how we use computers, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the internet. So, 1201, people have gone to jail because of 1201. What's 1201 say? 1201 is the anti circumvention component. Oh, so this is like. DVD John. Yep, DVD John. Yeah, I mean, it's you just print like, out the DVD thing. Yeah, yeah. What was it? It was you print out the code to decrypt a DVD and like just writing it down. And it's not that long. Can like send you to jail. What if I yeah. think about wow. it? Yeah. Um, and this was like a big theater. Uh, like I would say two thousand four ish. It was so. Right. Yeah. It was so in the news that like people were getting the DVD encryption code tattooed on themselves. I mean, like, Ooh. fuck you, arrest Isn't me. Isn't there this. something also yeah. going on with this and um, tractors? Oh yeah, this farmers want to be able to m- modify their John Deere tractors. Yeah, so there's a lawsuit about that. So basically, the way it works now mm-hmm. is that if something is copy protected digitally, right, and you break it, that's illegal, right, and that applies just down the line to even the weakest protection. And there are also there's similar laws about locks, right, like physical locks. I went to a hacker conference, and locks are also sort of have this weird protected status, right? Yeah, there's like there's a whole bunch of basically this is an argument about metaphors, and you like pick the metaphor you want, and you pick the legal regime around that metaphor, and then you try to apply it to the internet, and always breaks down because 
all the stuff is just encrypted with numbers. Mm-hmm. And if you guess the number or you route around the number, right. you go to jail. Right. Like, that's the answer. But there's a bunch of, because it's not a lock, right? Mm-hmm. So a lock on your shed, I know how to break your lock. I go into lock. I take the tools out of your shed. I've, st- right. I've actually stolen them. Broken and entered. I have them and you don't have them. Right. And, and there's I, no argument I have for like, I'm making fair use of your lawnmower because right. I just <laughs> fucking took it from you. So before, right? uh, With, before I was a journalist, I was a grad student and I was like the tech guy who helped uh, use tech in the classroom. And mm-hmm. I worked for the cultural studies department. And, like, there are professors that wanted to use literally, like, 30-second clips of, you know, old-ass movies as examples in their classroom. And they didn't want to have to, like, mess around with the DVD. Mm. And I had to go through this whole rigmarole with the legal department, and they told me no, and we just – we ended up doing it anyway. But I just wanted to rip, like, 30-second clips that they could use in the classroom, and I had to do it on the sly. And there's, like, not much of a clearer use of fair use than, like – a graduate school professor showing a 30 second clip from a movie from like 1932. Right. Right. That's how that's like, it was a, it was a crazy time. And like what's bonkers to me is that this rule is still just sort of hanging around and people aren't up in arms about it anymore. Cause well, so eh, what's happened. So what's happened is really bad, right? So there's an exception to the rule, Mm -hmm. which is every few years, groups of concerned citizens can petition the Library of Congress to make certain uses acceptable. Hmm. So like every three years we report on this and those rules, it's like, it's backwards. Instead of saying permission, everybody has permission and if you do something illegal, we'll get you. Hmm. It's everything is illegal unless you mount a lobbying campaign to get permission. So things like unlocking tablets has been granted an exemption, but that exemption will expire in three years and then it'll be illegal again. Uh, The DVD stuff for uh, academic research has been granted, but it'll expire, so you gotta go beg for it again, over and over and over and over again. Um, This is all, the DMCA, Digital Millennium Copyright, was passed in 2000. You just think about the state of the internet and technology in 2000 versus now. And Neelai's hair. In my hair, which I believe at that time, (laughs) I had blonde streaks in my hair. This is a fact. Think of how much more knowledge you have now, too. I mean, this was the stuff when I was in college just, like, riled me up. Right. I was, like, a Boing Boing reader yep. every day, just, like, ranting about the copyright law. It sent me to law school on yeah. the force of rage and conviction, and then law school beat that rage and conviction out of me, right. and I became a lawyer. Right. Um, but now you've got a website and a flagship podcast, both and you're things. putting your line, the line in the sand. You're planting the flag from the flagship. Let me tell you. In the sand. How many DVDs have been cracking lately? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is one of those moments where, again, it seems like a small thing, but in the history of technology, this is one of those things where the, the copyright system of the United States is so far behind mm-hmm. reality that if you actually, if, if you get rid of something like 1201, you say, you can make use of the media that surrounds you. Mm-hmm. Here's a good example. Adobe try to send somebody to jail ages ago for daring to crack the encryption on PDF for mm. like being telling people how to interoperate with PDFs. Right. That's ridiculous. And it's finally come to the point where I, the way I look at this right now, it's we're, we're just at a place where all of the media has moved online. All of the media is now protected or DRM in some way. Like if you think about Spotify, mm. 
everything on Spotify is DRM'd. So if you are that teacher Dieter was talking about and you want to like grab a song clip, you're effectively bypassing the protection measure of Spotify. Mm. Spotify could yeah. put you in jail. That's like a that's a if if you live in a world where everything is streaming at you all the time and DRM'd all the time, then you live in a world where any fair use activity becomes illegal. Mm. So this lawsuit is being positioned as a First Amendment lawsuit because the copyright law is making making actual First Amendment use of media completely illegal. Unless you go and beg the Library of Congress for permission every And is Bunny's case somehow an ideal case to... Yeah, because, man, this is like super weedy. Um, so <laughs> it's super weedy. So the, the way that you get around it is... I'm trying to... I'm, try, I'm going to say a bunch of legal words in the wrong order and then people are going to email me. Sure. He's got, he's not, he's not Napster, mm-hmm. right? He's not trying to say, well, most people are doing something illegal with my thing, but there are substantial non-infringing uses, right. so it should be made legal, right? right? Like, that's how Napster lost. The court looked at it and said, well, yeah, but most people are just stealing shit. Mm. He's got a service where he's trying to, like, develop software, tell people mix and remix video streams, and that, if you just look at it on the face of it, it probably should be legal, Hmm. Right. Like you you put in four YouTube streams and you like make some fair use thing out of it without having to jump through a lot of hoops. You can't really do that right now. So it's ideal in the sense that he's there's a real product here that is a good idea that has expressive uses that aren't just straight up stealing shit. Right. I think that puts it in a good spot. Cool. But this is just one of those things where obviously I'm very excited about it. Can you tell? I'm I'm like lit up. Wait, so they just lo- they just shipped off the lawsuit? They just emailed? I mean, EFF literally like two hours ago put out this press release. Cool. Bunny in the news twice today. Bunny? Just protecting your phone. Buy Bunny's laptop. I don't know if it's still available. <laughs> All right. So that was my big one. And then I wanted to talk just next to it, just a little piece of nostalgia note. Mm-hmm. Uh, VCRs. Yeah. Out of production now. No. They're going away. Well, last in Japan. Do you think that's the last ever? I haven't, I, I haven't own, how many store. VHS types do you still own? I own a ton. My little really? brother. Yeah, they're all sitting on a bookshelf a in a huge library of VHS. And he has one, like a VCR slash DVD player, but then he also has a dedicated VHS player, and then he also has a dedicated DVD player. He's, I, he's pretty into the format of VHS, <laughs> I would say. It's funny because that VHS look... Uh, is kind of everywhere again. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching Stranger Things on Netflix? No, I want to. That's like the ET ripoff, right? <laughs> God damn. No, it's. I would say it's 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 inspired. Dieter, have you been watching it, Lauren? I'm waiting for Where? a unicorn chaser show for it. Like it, it's it's like dark, right? No, uh, Stranger no. Things. Lauren, have you yeah. been watching it? No. Oh my god. Okay, everyone's screwing up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 just it's like eight hours long. It's, it's eight like episodes. an eight hour. It's like an eight-hour movie. It's like an amazing mashup of Stephen King and Steven Spielberg. So there's like that E.T. vibe, and but like John Carpenter. Like it's crazy. All right. All it's right. so good. I do want to watch it. Um, but but I'm very busy. It's a show set in the '80s, and the entire aesthetic of it is super '80s. Right. But it's not about the '80s. Yeah, you know and I, mean? I feel like I've been seeing like like music videos randomly pop up that just have a vhs filter on them the whole yeah. time it's just that whole look is coming back right now that whole it's, i mean it's because people my it's age have awesome. disposable income right yeah. wait, wait, wait until you see what, what neil's hair is going to turn into it's gonna be great oh man i'm getting yes. it dyed tonight i'm gonna nice. get a perm <laughs> lauren did you ever have a perm 
I did. Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. I did. <laughs> yes. In like the third or fourth grade, I cannot believe my mother let me do it, but um, but I did. Was, but I read an article the other day that in Japan, like late. 70s LA is coming back in style and personally I love all of this retro stuff I think it's super cool I think we should all be living in like a John Carpenter movie but like minus getting killed <laughs> what, what is what was everybody's favorite VHS oh uh, Jurassic Park short circuit even Toy though story. now I know Toy Story for me do you have Toy Story oh, in I really liked Major League ooh that's ooh. a good one wow. Ferris Bueller's uh, Day Off that's a good one it was yeah. Jurassic Park for me because it was the first one that we got that was in surround sound. We bought like this special newer stereo VCR and the first Dolby surround tape that we got was Jurassic Park. What? Yeah. I didn't know that wow. was a thing. All the way. I, the, like the last generation of VHS players was like very fancy. This is great. And they were um, like well, I, I have you beat. We had, my brother and I used to make a lot of movies, like horror movies. Mm-hmm. And we were obsessed with, so you bring up John Carpenter, we were obsessed with like the Halloween series and Nightmare on Elm Street and like basically everything we could possibly watch. So we like scripted Halloween 6. Thinking, <laughs> th- well, this is one summer, thinking like Halloween 6 was never going to come out because I think at this point we were on Halloween 2. And now of course there are like 10 or 11 or something absurd. I think that the series is no longer existence. We actually like rounded up all of these people and shot a 45-minute Halloween oh 6 on like wow. a Panasonic VHS camcorder. And then we had two VCRs, so we edited the movie by basically split, you know, splitting them together. Yes. And like yeah. cutting that way. This was like so, this was, you know, so there was pre, no copy pre, protection. pre Final Cut Pro. There's no copy yeah. protection. And, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, yeah. I, uh, I mean, we were, we, shooting, we this. We were shooting this. We were shooting this ourselves. Shot for Shot when I was like eight. You redid how, Psycho? I, we, we, we remade Psycho shot for shot. Like, we full-on sweeted Psycho when I was, like, eight or nine years old. That's amazing. One t- what camcorder did you use? I actually found a Panasonic camcorder at an antique shop, like, not long ago, and I was so tempted to buy it. I think I'm going to go back and get it. Just because. <laughs> Is it one of those full-size ones? Yes, I mean yeah. it was pretty big, you know, and it had like the top handle oh, and yeah. um, you know the physical button that you would pop on the side, you'd press on the side in order to pop the the like you know envelope style slot out to yeah. put the VHS. It was just it was so cool. And then in order, to, if you wanted to like apply effects to the video, you would toggle like a physical button back and forth. Yep, yep. In yep. order to apply, you know, the high contrast or the negative style, like it was so cool. Do you know camcorder I, I always wanted, like just the most? Was the red one they used in Back to the Future? There's oh, red, yeah. the red JVC that. that Marty had. This podcast is just completely old people talking about things they wanted in the '80s right now. <laughs> but I wanted the hell out of that camcorder. And if anybody can talk to me about where I can acquire the red JVC camcorder from Back Ooh. to the Future I'm right now, because that is the you thing. Can on eBay. Back to the, that's the one. Camcorder. Paul's got a picture wow. right there. I mean, just look at that thing. Ugh, now we just have these stupid phones. They all look the same. Well, didn't Kodak come out with like a, a true actual film camera recently? Yeah, a bunch of people have it. Uh, and then the and the Instax is like huge. Every party I Guys, go to is like people taking Polaroids. What? Why are we not at Comic-Con right now? The folks at Comic-Con got to see the uh, NES Classic Edition. Oh. It is so oh. tiny. I want it is one. the tiniest little thing. Oh right my now. God. I See, want it. Welcome to the Retroverge chest. I'm so mad right now <laughs> that just I fall not into our youth. In person with this thing. It's so little. Is it on the website right now? Yeah, it's on the website. We got to look at it. So There's like cool. a million pictures and it's not enough. 
to make you happy. <laughs> I once spent like two hours wandering around this neighborhood in Osaka where I didn't understand anyone or could read street signs or anything, just trying to find a bar that someone on TripAdvisor said had an NES. And I was like, I will find this bar Um, just so I can play NES. The wine store by my house has an NES in it, and I have never seen a more effective marketing gimmick in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you walk in there and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to play the first level of Mario. And then they're like, would you like to try this wine? You're like, oh, that's delicious. Do you want to buy a bottle? And you're like, yeah, why the hell not? And you're like, I came in here to buy water. I don't understand why. I just bought four bottles of wine. (laughs) 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 It's great. Uh, So speaking of Comic-Con, actually, Paul spent some time on the phone with one Brian Bishop, Mm -hmm. who's at Comic-Con, going to give us a little report right now. All right, I'm here with Brian Bishop. Well, I'm not even literally here. I'm, I'm over the phone call with Brian Bishop, who is at San Diego Comic-Con. Is that correct, Brian? I mean, it's not technically a phone call. It's Skype, but right. I am in San Diego at Comic-Con, and we are speaking, yes. Let's not nitpick. This will take forever, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, up front, I've never been to a Comic-Con. I think I've been to San Diego. I'm not sure. I am kind of scared of Comic Cons in general. That's that's a totally reasonable reaction. Should, to should have. I be afraid? Uh, yes. And if you are, and if you're going to pick one to be afraid of, this is the one that you should be most fearful this about. This is the scariest. Um, this is the scariest one. It is. It is. It is big. It is large. It is all-consuming. It is. It is brandtastic all over the place. Mm. Um, there are people everywhere. Um, dressed in weird things um, and it's just like if the humanity is overwhelming um, to be totally frank but um, what is really kind of cool and beautiful about it and I, I every year we come and we I, I think boy this is overwhelming it's such a crazy show there's so much going on but by the end of it I come back to the same point which is like most of these people that are here are here because they love a story or a character or a series or you know whatever it is they love it so much that they just want to come be part of it and express that with other people whether it's dressing up or just geeking out and buying stuff and outside all of the cynicism that is rightly earned that part is kind of amazing and beautiful yeah how but much- it's also really hot this year so maybe that changes it a lot <laughs> how much of it is like i just love this whole culture versus i love this one thing i got to be at comic-con because of this one thing Right. I think there's a, I think there's definitely like a certain type of person that is wired to enjoy this scene. Mm. You know what I mean? I think because people cosplay, they'll cosplay as, you know, multiple characters, a different character every year. They're always building a new costume. But there are people that are very clearly all about one, you know, series. There are like hardcore Star Trek people. There are hardcore Star Wars people. Right. Um, there are things like that. Um, but I think there's a general like, you know, type of person that is into this kind of thing. Um, but uh, everybody seems to have a particular focus or favorite, even if it's not what they're dressing up as on that particular day. I think you really see that in these crazy lines with the Hall H panels, which where it's just like 6,500 people in a room getting hyped about some small piece of news that's happening and just being super nerds about Captain America um, in a good way, you know. Um, and I think that's when you kind of see that delineate because people have to put enormous amounts of time into picking what panel they're going to like line yeah. up for and spend half a day for. So if you really, if you love Doctor Who enough to like spend the night in line overnight to see that Doctor Who, then you must really be a hard Who fan. Or so Whovian, what, excuse me, I did it wrong. What's the, what, 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 what's the proper nomenclature? I believe it's Whovian. 
Ahuvian. All right, we'll fact check that. So, yeah, what's the most hype thing that's been announced or, or unveiled or, or revealed so far? Uh, what's really funny is that my whole thing that I've been talking about with the you know, everybody that's down here um, is that this actually feels like a quieter Comic-Con than last year. Last year was like this supernatural event where it was like Star Wars was coming back and all these things were happening. And this feels like an off year. I think the um, you know Saturday is going to be the biggest day at the convention because that's when Marvel and DC are having their panels, um, and obviously people are really hyped for Suicide Squad, which is coming out next month, and um, and uh, Doctor Strange is coming out this year, and supposedly there's going to be some footage of the new Spider-Man shown during the Marvel panel. So I think amongst like the traditional Comic Con people, Saturday is looking like the big day with those two panels. But what's odd is that. It's just those two panels. Normally, that would be spread out over three days or so with multiple studios showing things. And right, like this year, it's just Warner Brothers with their DC stuff um, and, and Marvel. And that's kind of it. Paramount's not here. Sony's not here. Um, a lot of the big studios just are sitting it out this year, which is kind of interesting. Just because they, they don't have anything to share or they're not into to fans? Well, that's, that's the thing. They do have stuff to share, particularly Fox, who, who basically dropped out this year. And there's kind of like this ongoing conversation um, in terms of how much buzz do you really get out of Comic-Con, right? You know, in the 2000s, people started, you know, studios started coming here and it was a great way to sell their movies and it kind of took over the entire convention. But now you have this thing where it's, the last five years or so, it's kind of been diminishing returns and they're not really sure if it does all that much. Um, you know, Disney spent a bunch of money on Tron Legacy, which, you know, didn't do that great. Um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, like, got huge crazy buzz back in the day at Comic-Con, did not open at all. And so you see, like, the studio's kind of strategically sitting it out year by year. Um, but this year is just so interesting because Fox has, you know, a new Wolverine movie coming out. They've got Assassin's Creed. They've got movies that they should be selling here, and they're not. You know, and they're saying it's because of privacy, because these exclusive clips got leaked online. Um, that doesn't really make sense because that only helped Deadpool last year. So there's a, basically, it's, you know, studios seem to be slowly inching away from Comic-Con as an investment. So is, the, is there, like cool like niche stuff that's filling that void on on non-saturdays uh, it's a ton of tv there's a lot more tv stuff i've seen uh you know just in general than like i think there's ever been in a year that's been a trend that's been happening uh, but it seems to be really accelerated this year um, but i'm also excited to see what that's going to mean for you know just the the texture of the show in terms of does this mean artists get a little bit more attention does this mean you know properties aren't you know other smaller properties aren't going to be drowned out by you know whatever huge sequel is being pushed it's uh you know, that's always the weird thing about Comic-Con is the balance is swayed so heavily towards movies um, and these big, like, temporal things that when it goes away, there's opportunity for, you know, smaller things and just surprises. I mean, it's, it's really weird today. There's a panel for the Snowden movie today. Um, I'm going to a screening of it right now, which is not the kind of movie that you would expect to be at Comic-Con, yeah. um, but it's um, but it's, it's happening. So there's, there is room there. Well, it, and TV focuses a little bit more on the... I, I, I won't call minor characters, minor characters, characters that couldn't carry a movie all by themselves or, or at least used to not be able to carry a movie by themselves, right? So yeah. is that is that kind of exciting that it's bringing more people into deeper into these worlds? Uh, I mean, I think it's certainly for all these fans in particular. Luke Cage is going to be a big thing uh, that we haven't talked about. People are really excited. That series, I think, launches in September. Um, but these are like, you know, ancillary characters. If you love that world, you love that they're getting time to shine because they wouldn't carry a movie. Um, and so that's like they're getting to go and, you know, build out the texture and the richness of these universes in ways that movies can only go so far. Because at the end of the day, every Marvel movie has to ultimately serve the next Avengers movie or, you know, what have you as it moves forward. Right. Okay. So 
what's what's the 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 number one costume? What's the look? What what? Like I feel like typically uh, after I look at the photos from very far away from any Comic Con um, on Flickr or wh- wherever. Uh, there's there, there's like okay th- this thing happened this year and then it totally swept the the I, I, I'm what I'm thinking is Overwatch is everybody dressed as Overwatch or is it something larger in the world that I don't know about? What's really weird is we were expecting a lot of Pokemon. We thought that was going to be the thing. We were expecting Pokemon mm-hmm. and Ghostbusters. Um, I've seen no Pokemon and I've seen one person dressed up as Kate McKinnon's character. What we've seen a lot of actually is Ray from The Force Awakens. Like everywhere you look, there is rays everywhere. I saw a mom dressed as Ray pushing her kids in a stroller earlier today, and that's just kind of cool because that character in that series, that's you know, except for you know the Leia character, there was never a lot of strong women in that series to have that character be adopted so readily mm. um, by uh, by young women and fans is kind of remarkable. But no Overwatch. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy for Ray. <laughs> are, are you wait? Are you are you interested in Overwatch? What? Yeah, is, over, uh, is Overwatch a thing there? Not that I've seen. I mean, if this is the first day. There's like three See, more days. This is to why go. I wouldn't be accepted at a Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, just keep an eye out, okay, for me. There's, there's still time. There's still time. Okay. Anything else you're looking forward to specifically? Uh, you know, one thing that's also been interesting this year is, you know, we cover a lot of VR, obviously, on the site. But this year, there's been a ton of virtual reality experiences. Pretty much every like themed activation or brand tie-in um, but that's a, a that's a pedicab driving by if you could hear that um, it's very exciting um, but all these things are incorporating vr which traditionally you know uh, these, these promotional times have been pretty weak um, but some of the ones that i've seen have actually been really really fun um, most notably the mr robot one um, we saw yesterday um, that sam esmail wrote and directed that was really really well done and it wasn't just a gimmick it wasn't just kind of like a, a brand tie-in thing it was actual storytelling um, which seemed like a big step forward. And so that's something that I'd like coming, keeping an eye on. I'm going to be seeing more of in the coming days, um, hoping that we see some more examples of, of work like that, because I think that's something when you have an opportunity. And by the way, the Ecto-1 is just driving in front of me, by the way, Paul, that just happened. Um, I'm sorry I'm not uh, on, on video camera. But now, whenever you have like all these people like shoving money into this stuff to promote their thing, but creative people get, to chan- get a chance to work in new mediums, cool things can happen. So I'm hoping and, we see more of that. Is that stuff just for showing off on a, on a show floor? Is that stuff that people are going to have on their home headset soon? Most of it is usually just like promotional stuff where they toured around. I think the Mr. Robot thing will get released. There was a simultaneous um, yes, sir, like showing, quote-unquote, of it today where they, uh, they filled people up in Petco Park near the convention center here, and they could watch it at 10 p.m. or 10.30 p.m. And then everybody that had the Within app downloaded could also watch it at that same time. And so so everybody could watch it around the world, but now it's gone, and they're being very coy about when it's going to come or not come out again. It sounds like eventually that will be released, uh, and I think we're getting to the point now with all these experiences that the reach is just not big enough if you're taking it to like South by Southwest or Comic Con, and that's it. You know, um, you know, ILM X Lab they released that Trials of Tatooine thing they've been showing around finally to the public. That's just the way. If they're going to do these as promotional tie-ins, they just need more eyes on them. So. I think we're going to see more of that coming out, you know, in the months and years ahead. Yeah, maybe maybe I can attend a virtual Comic Con, then I'd feel safe. I mean, I can just like hit my phone and live stream to you from the show floor, <laughs> but I'm worried it might give you like you know uh, an anxiety attack because it's a little upsetting there when you're in the middle of it all. Well, yeah. All right. Well, I, I hope you stay safe. I hope you have a, a wonderful <laughs> weekend. Thank you for for taking some time from your your busy 
panel covering Pokemon searching adventures. So Thank you, Paul. <laughs> you got it anytime. Um, what character, if I was going to dress up as a character before I left, who should I pick? Um, you mean an Overwatch character? Okay, never mind. You can be Dad76. <laughs> like Dad76. See, that's the thing. Overwatch fandom has like gone so quickly, so fast. There's like derivatives of the characters where like there's dad and then like dad is or soldier 76 is dad and then uh diva is like this nerd who like eats cheetos and so like you'll see people out of their see i think maybe you don't have good enough eye to know if you are seeing an overwatch character that might be that may be true that may be true i think i'm just gonna start taking pictures and sending it to you and we can play like where's overwatch yeah yeah i'll do that Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Talk to you soon. I got to tell you, I had a great time talking to Brian. Brian is so great. Just just got married. Yeah, just living yeah. his best life. And all the news from Comic-Con. Man, did Ooh. I love hearing about that. A lot of surprises. So we got to end on this. I have a, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts about this, too. Mm-hmm. This was some of the biggest news of the week, actually. Yeah. Paul brought it up to me while we were doing the rundown. I didn't even think about Been it. Been trying to write an essay on it. We, we actually have to talk about Taylor Swift and Kanye West. <laughs> uh, there's a million reasons why we should talk about it. It's funny in the context of all this copyright stuff that we're talking about. Uh, I mean, there's this whole feud. It's actually fascinating that like Taylor Swift runs this like perfectly controlled media empire and you get to crack past the facade of it. But what's crazy to me is that Kim Kardashian used Snapchat when she actually has a television show, a massively popular, huge television show mm. with which to reveal, to do nothing but reveal deception. I mean, the, the point of a reality show is to create deception and then reveal the depths of deception. Well, could you even put it on a reality show? I feel like I want to get past the lawyers of so the actual network. So this well, is what I'm saying. that's one thing. But, the, but the, the other thing is, like, her doing it enhances the power of her personal brand because it feels like it comes directly from her and not from a TV producer. Right. Whether or not, not there was a producer involved in her Snapchat, she would tell you no. I guarantee you that lots of other celebrities, like, carefully hone and have people manage what they put on Snapchat. But putting this on Snapchat made it a different kind of celebrity feud than you would typically get uh, from, you know, a reality TV show or a, like a magazine quote well, or something. It was a powerful moment. So, yeah, I mean, like it ate the Internet for a, basically a day. Yeah. But I, I just, just have to confess something to you guys. Yeah. Um, I've been using a professional TV producer to run my Snapchat. <laughs> yes. So that when you see when you see me Snapchatting that I actually wore two completely different sneakers to the gym this morning <laughs> because I was so goddamn tired when I got up, that was my producer doing that for me. Yeah, I'd like to confess something to you guys as well. I've been recording all of my phone calls with you. <laughs> and if you cross me, it's all over. <laughs> Wait, so let's just. I, I know. So this story is fascinating. It's fascinating on a thousand levels, right? Mm. It's fascinating on just the pure plot points, right? Kanye West calls Taylor Swift, says, I'm writing a song. I'm going to say that we might still have had sex. Taylor Swift is like, that's cool. Then he releases a song, and she's like, that's not cool. Mm. And then well, but he releases a song with like one more lyric that he may or may not have told her. Yeah, so right. which we and still apparently don't know. she was made aware as soon as the phone call ended that it was being recorded, and then her... People jumped into action right. and said, "No, no, no, no! You can't do that." So, all so this, but before the song came out, wait, so all, so between, all of that's crazy. Right? Just that, and that's right. like every we ran through that story and how it worked, and every other site in the world ran through that story and how it worked. And if you missed it, 
I don't want you doing. Go read the internet. It's there for you. Uh, but let's just pull apart the various platforms and tools that these two massively powerful celebrities oh, chose yeah. to communicate with. Kim is running QuickTime movies on a MacBook, recording it in Snapchat on her iPhone with the rotation all fucked up. Right. So the snap, so the Snapchat sideways with the MacBook is a. And you can't change it. And I saw it. I didn't see it on Snapchat. I saw somebody's Twitter yeah. tweet of the video ripped from the Snapchat. Yeah, and it's on YouTube. It's all over YouTube. And, and then, then Taylor Swift like pulls up her notes app, <laughs> searches for an essay that she definitely wrote sometime before <laughs> Kim's. And oh my God. screenshots I don't know if it. Screenshots and posts it. But the craziest thing, have you seen this? Yeah. If if you you can barely make it out in the full color version, but if you desaturate it and play with the levels oh and God. stuff, Paul's zap rootering the notes app. It's clear. I didn't I didn't do this. I saw someone else had Trading. done this. Um, the the line, you know, when you scroll something, it kind of fades away at the top yeah. of an iOS app or on Mac and stuff like that. It says. Because it's something like it's the previous draft because it doesn't exist. Yeah, she's yeah. she wrote an essay claiming that a recording doesn't exist. At least that's what it appears that she wrote. No, that line is in there. Wait, wait I'm looking at it right now, guys. Yeah, look, so there's really cl- this is the notes. In she, notes this is a notes and then right notes. under. I mean, this is like you have to be such a nerd and know how translucency operates in iOS <laughs> and the notes app works. And the fact that all these celebrities are screenshotting the notes app. To put on Instagram or to put a longer essay on Twitter, the just the sheer amount of media capture, recapture, retransmittal that's happening in this feud yeah. that would ordinarily have happened on the pages of like People magazine is fucking wild. Right. The the, the text is, be, is, is that is scroll. It's like almost completely off the screen it's just a little bit there it says because it doesn't exist but that line is and that's above the where is the video or that's below it's in the search bar so there's the essay that she actually wrote yeah and i think those were just notes that she was prepping so she had like a previous draft and scrolled up in the previous draft the last line of it (sighs) is like peeking out through the menu bar transparency in the ios notes app it's amazing. Because that line is... I, I actually like can't see this in the image. It just ends at search, and I can't... Yeah, it's there. No, it's in there. You gotta... Oh, yeah. I see. I see, I see, I see. Right? Yeah, it's a whole right. thing. I just want to talk about that for five minutes. Just the fact that two, literally two of the richest and most powerful people in the world have chosen to argue Why by we... Snapchatting MacBook screens... Are we old? Because we have we posted an essay that's just... Written in a notes app. We should. Like, that's clearly a medium of the future. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Schiller. Of all, Phil Schiller was, like, tweeting links to, like, New York mag stories that are like, all these celebrities are using notes app. And Schiller's like, notes. Everyone loves it. <laughs> it's great. I mean, that is one of those things. It's like this emergent behavior. Do any celebrities Do you ever write use a note? Do you ever write a note when you're kind of drunk and then you read it like a couple days later and you're like what well lauren i think we just figured out what the next segment of the verge cast is (laughs) (laughs) all right one of these days we're gonna go through we're just gonna tap on a random note in our notes list Mm -hmm. and we have to read it we have to read whatever i'm ready i mean i'm ready to do it right now but i'm ready right now (laughs) i I use simple note i I don't actually note as well 
Um, because Bobby's I. Notes. All, right, all, right, all right, here we go. I'm, I'm scrolling. Oh, you guys God. can see this, right? <laughs> I'm getting some good momentum. Up. I'm going. I'm going deep. What's the an old Google keyboard? Just yeah. bugging out. All right. By the way, what app are you guys scrolling in? Wait, this is. Sim- I've got simple, simple note. note. Wait, simple oh, yeah. note. Oh, I just found. In, uh, okay. I just found something oh, really one. old and crazy. <laughs> uh, this is something I wrote for the startup I used to write, work for. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Let's see. Let's see. Oh wait. Is I'm anybody ready? This one. I, I came to one, but I can't do it because it's too boring. Okay, Paul. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. So when <laughs> I when I take notes at church, I copy and paste from my Bible app into my notes app. There so you. this is uh, Acts 15. You're just going to read us a Bible verse now. I won't. I don't have to read the whole thing. Okay. Mine is uh, equivalently insane. Mm-hmm. Ages. I don't know. I don't. Simple note doesn't give you dates, mm-hmm. but this is clearly a note. From when I was the acting managing editor of Vox.com. Mm-hmm. So from two years ago, at least. <laughs> the first line is just, is there a typo in the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's clearly me working on this story. Uh, and it's just a list of proposed headlines about this. Are we worse citizens because the Declaration of Independence has an extra period? We misplaced one of Jefferson's commas and now we're all jerks. <laughs> all right, that's what I got, Dieter. Uh, uh. That's a moral that you don't. It doesn't have to be late at night for you to be drunk, Lauren. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. You ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. I went way back. Yes. Yeah. The title of this note is Nexus Q Review. Whoa. <laughs> is the first uh, it, line, what is this? Uh, <laughs> what is this odd circle that does nothing? <laughs> NY Video David, Brian Review. Dieter on Android Feelings. Oh. I feel like Dieter on Android Feelings is a component of literally every Android device review that we have. That's literally what it's doing with this Chromebook right now, right? I mean, that's... I also have two stars next to widget resizing, which has nothing to do with it, but just there you go. That's the one feature that device didn't have, is widget resizing. All right, Lauren. Okay, mine... I. You can tell that I, I thought I was being really deep when I wrote this. <laughs> I was thinking very deep thoughts. And it's not from that long ago. It's from uh, December of last year. It can sometimes be difficult to say with tech products whether something falls short because what's new is actually no longer new or because what's new is just not very good. I feel like Lauren is just clearly smarter than all of us. It's wow. pretty good. <laughs> no, but, and then I tried to use that in a column and it didn't fit, so I had to kill my darling, but that's okay. Lauren, I, did, I think you I, could put that line at the beginning of literally every product review. Mm. <laughs> it's true. It could be the tagline for And I on another one. And, uh, oh, oh that was good. our old holiday. Wasn't our old holiday gift guide from 2014? Oh, we were talking about like categories i did open one before that was like i took me a moment to figure out what it was it was like no jewelry don't eat <laughs> take out contacts and i was like what well, was i like, doing to myself someone. And, then, and then bring <laughs> rifle <laughs> <laughs> it's like wear rings, bring Vaseline. Yeah. No, and actually, then it then <laughs> what? Wear knife around thigh. <laughs> then below that, it said it said Fremont Surgery Center. So I realized like someone must have called the night before oh, and been, like just a reminder, like don't wear jewelry and don't oh, eat and like all this stuff. And then yeah, so that was kind of a funny one until I figured that out. <laughs> I have something about smart mirrors. I don't even know. So you're a notes app person. 
Yeah, yeah. I haven't. But t- I, everyone but tells me it's great, including Phil Schiller on Twitter. Mm. And no, let me let me let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I'm a G-Docs person, and then Notes is like my side piece. So, I see. like, wow. if yeah, if I need to like open it. Like, sorry, Phil, but if I need to like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> open something really quickly, and uh, I don't have internet connectivity, or it's just, it's just late at night and I'm on my phone, and it's just I want to jot a bunch of thoughts down before bed. I'm going to Notes, and I like Notes a lot. But if I need to actually take notes for um, like posterity and going back and writing an article off of and stuff like that, I'm going to G-Docs. So I. Just I, I'm like a simple note person through and through, and it's not for any reason other than an ancient app called Just Notes on so my good. Mac. But they changed it so that I have the old version. I refused to upgrade. It like had a, it has an icon in the menu bar where I can just click it and it opens a field and I can just start typing, and that turns into a simple note. Huh. But that's all I need in this world. But I, I Notes app on the Mac of, uh, notational velocity. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like we really didn't talk about the fact that celebrities okay. use weird mediums. But my point is... Does anyone remember... Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. But does anyone remember, since we were talking about stuff from... Um, I guess we were talking about the 70s and 80s, but like the 90s, that a bunch of rappers like used to take... I don't. I feel like maybe it wasn't a bunch, but there were rappers that used to really antagonize pop stars. And it was like a thing. Like I remember like... Eminem used to oh, yeah. talk junk about a, b- a bunch of pop stars and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. Right, because like, they, they were fake music and they, the rappers made the real music. I remember right, this. Right, right. And, like, and, and there was a lot of drama around all of that then. I mean, there's drama around a lot of other lyrics as well, which were incredibly controversial and um, in a lot of ways like horribly sexist um, and violent. But like, I feel like history is just repeating itself. Yeah. But well, now it's amplified because of all of this social media. Definitely. Like, without without question. But it's also, all music is pop music in that way now. Mm-hmm. Like, all music is just deeply, deeply produced and packaged and marketed now. That that old piece where it's like, I'm a, I'm a real musician and you're, you're being manufactured by Swedish producers. It's like, everyone is manufactured by Swedish producers now. Right. We live in a world right. of Swedish production. All the biggest yeah. rap hits have, like, a pop star... Yeah. Hook or something like that. Where's, yeah, the, where's genres the protest music? Are, are blending. I just want to know where the protest music is. Yeah, I feel yeah. Like this is, yeah. Anyway, look, uh, sadly, this is just wild. unfortunately, I have to wrap this up because I have to go to, to Fancy Fancy Panorama Party mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I am not, mm-hmm. I'm not speaking, mm-hmm. but I'm introducing Dan Frommer of Rico who is speaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, which is cool. Uh, so I'm excited to go see Dan. But if you're in New York, Come to Panorama, we'll be around. Come say hi to us. Uh, if you're not in New York, watch Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to Lauren's podcast. Lauren, I'm on your podcast next week, aren't I? Next Yay, week? you are. I'm so excited. Listen to Too Embarrassed We're... to Ask. I'll be on yes. Lauren's podcast next week. We have a bunch of other shows. Uh, Control, Delete. Mm-hmm. This week, Walt and I just complained about smartphone apps for an hour. It was nice. one of the funniest hours of my life. Um, that's out. Uh, Chris Plant hosts What's Tech, which is wonderful. Emily and Liz do Verge SP Entertainment and Science podcast. Uh, and Paul runs a little thing called Circuit Breaker that you should check out constantly. It's true. And Dieter runs a thing called The Verge. So <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool as well. Uh, you can follow us everywhere. We're at Verge. We're on Snapchat, Instagram, the whole thing. I don't know. I feel like YouTube doesn't get enough love. Go to YouTube. Watch some of our stuff. That'd be great. And I want to yeah, think... Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about it a lot today, but the review of the Moto Z. Yep. Great video yeah. of Welch. Incredibly Welch good video review. 
Uh, really quick, want to thank Centrify Corporation. Let me introduce you to Centrify Corporation. Centrify Identity Platform is a next-generation identity management solution that protects organizations against cyber threats. Check out their white paper. Know you want to do that. Or sign up for a free 30-day trial at centrify.com slash identity. That's it. That's the Verge We'll see you next week. Rock. Cyber is the future. Cyber is the future. Mm. Paul. Bye.